I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Mama Mike. And this is Kate. Mama Mike. Today. Uh, you don't know. Okay. Kate. No. All right. Sorry. Today we have an interview with Jessica Ortner, or also known as Jess, which you'll hear about that at the beginning of the interview. She's the producer of The Tapping Solution, the breakthrough documentary on EFT, Merit, or also known as Meridian Tapping. Emotional freedom technique is what EFT stands right. for. Right. So you might hear terms EFT, tapping, you know, these are interchangeable. Um, she's the author of Tapping Solution for Weight Loss and Body Confidence. That was also a New York Times bestseller. It's a book based on her revolutionary online program, which has helped more than 3,000 women tackle the stress that lead to weight gain. She's also a host of the World Tapping Summit, an annual online event that has attracted more than 5,000 attendees. 500,000. Oh my God. I like, hello. Can I I read today? More than, (laughs) sorry. Yeah. 500,000 sounds way better than 500. From around the world, she has been interviewing experts in the personal development field since 2007, having conducted more than 200 broadcast interviews to date. Amazing. So Jess and I met because we were brought into Hay House when we were both little 20-somethings when Hay House was wanting to expand their reach within the emerging generation, basically. And we were brought in for a little think tank for the day to talk about how to bring the next generation into Hay House. And we've been friends ever since. She is just a delight. She is seven and a half months pregnant. She runs the tapping solution company with her two brothers, Nick and Alex. We always talk about how the Ortners are sort of like the Argentine Northrop's. Yeah. The, <laughs> one day I organized a, well, it hasn't been set up yet, but I wanted to have an organized or Northrop slash Ortner Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. Yes. We um, should still, I think once we get out of the baby land, we could really make this thing happen. I, no, we will someday. Yeah. We adore, we adore this family. We adore their work and tapping. If you've never experienced it, we're going to go through it in the episode. It's a very powerful technique to calm down your nervous system and really release stress and, and change how you feel. It's very powerful, super easy, and it's free. And you can apply it to anything in your life. So we talked about tapping, obviously. We talked about dating. We talked about maternity leave, parenthood, running a business with your family, jealousy, ego. All the things. We but, talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, this was a good episode. It's good. Oh, and the book. Her new book oh, yeah. is called... We said we were going to talk about it. We love Jess so much. We're so distracted. Yeah, so by... one of one of the biggest things is she has a new book coming out that's actually being born on September 4th of 2018, which is also my birthday on September 4th. It's also her husband Lucas's birthday is on September 4th. So we talk about day. that. Big day. It's the tapping solution to create lasting change, a guide to get unstuck and find your flow. I uh, started reading it over the past couple of weeks getting in prep for this. And I'm really looking forward to, we talked about a way to use tapping when you don't kind of fully understand everything today. And I think that's very helpful because sometimes we stop ourselves from implementing certain things. So we don't have all the answers. And so I've really enjoyed reading this book and uh, enjoy it. And I'm really looking forward to doing more tapping. Actually, Every time I do it, I feel better. I need to do it more often. Well, there you go. I choose to do it more often. Would that be the right term? I desire oh, to do it more desire. often. Yeah. Enjoy. Oh, we also talked about the power of pleasure in sustainability. So that was a cool conversation too. So enjoy the episode with Jessica. 
Bye. Bye. <laughs> Welcome, Jess. Hello, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Or Jessica. Hello. Uh, or either. Jess, Jessica. Okay, great. We're all friends here. Everyone We're can call me friends. Jess. We are. We are all Do friends Do you like here. to go by one or the other? I feel like for work, it just, it feels like Jessica. But if people know me, that Jess, either one, either one's fine. In real life. In real life, if someone calls me Jessica, I'm like, you know me through work. Got it. I think. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Did you change your last name? I didn't. Okay. You know, my I'm pregnant and my baby will have my husband's name mm-hmm. and maybe in the future. But I just I've already written two books with my current last name. So it just seemed like a lot to switch it. And I'm not expecting him to change his. So, you know, <laughs> would, would he want would Lucas want to become an ordner? No, it was Who really wouldn't? sweet. It was. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is kind of an ordner. <laughs> no, it was really sweet. We had the conversation and and I was nervous about it. And I asked him, I was like, do you want me to change your last name? And he said, you know, you've done so much with your name. And I think names have power. And I wouldn't want you to feel like you had to give that up. So he has no problem with me keeping my last name. And I'm sure that like when we have when this baby comes and they'll probably call me it or be they like Mrs. Yes. Iturbide, mm-hmm. which is his last name. His name's tricky too. It's Iturbide because it's Spanish. It is so tricky. It's a but tricky it's fun one. To say. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> do you know what it, do you know what Ortner means? It's Austrian, and it means like the top of a mountain, or people who live near the top of the mountain. I think so. My dad's side of the family. Um, I'm 25% Jewish. That's the kind of Ashkenazi Jewish name. And then like, I just did my DNA test. So that, but like 65% of me is the Spanish. Mm. And then there's yeah. just like a few percentages of other things. Of, of yeah, but mostly European, <laughs> just yeah. it's Ashkenazi Jew, Italian, Spanish. Yeah. That area. Interesting. Hmm. Do you know what Iturbide means? No, I don't know what it means, but the very first emperor of Mexico, who was a Spanish guy, because Spain conquered Mexico, the first emperor was the emperor Iturbide. So it's very, like, royal, and it's from the north of Spain. So my, I have a 91-year-old great aunt who has dementia, and I went to see her in Argentina and she knows my husband, but she forgot. And when I reminded her of his last name, she just like lit up because I have a part of my family that comes from the north of Spain. So, mm. and it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know, I look at it as a royal name since it was an emperor. Got it. This is the most personal laid back <laughs> podcast I have ever I, done. Well, it's because we... I haven't seen you in a while. I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Should we? You're doing enough official podcast. We like to make sure that all of our guests, when they get done, they're like, "That's the greatest podcast that ever." I'm having a great time. I feel so comfortable. When people do a book launch, it's nice to be with us because you know I've only done one book launch, but by the end of it, I was sick of talking about my book, and sometimes it's nice to talk about your husband's last name. Yeah. (laughs) Call Lucas the next time I see him. I'll just address him as the emperor. Uh, Yes. And I think he, <laughs> Lucas and I were born on the exact same day. Oh, right. And yes. your book comes out that day. Yes. September 4th. It's a big yeah. day. And the same year, 1982. I was born in Wyoming. He was born in Argentina. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that nuts, Kate? Same, not only the same birthday, but the same year. It's literally Wild. the same day. You and I must have some vibe. 
of picking men born on that day. They're well, you good guys are both, they're similar personalities between the two of you. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. You're there are definitely fun. similar. I think so. There's, there's a definitely lot a lot of similarities. There's a lot of fun. You're both short. <laughs> You're small packages with lots of excitement. That's very true. <laughs> are you a seven on the Enneagram? I don't know. I've never taken it. Oh, okay. oh you haven't? Uh, yeah, I know. People always ask. ask Cheryl. Me. I have Next to time do you it. talk to her, Cheryl. We need to have it. Cheryl Richardson on to oh, do yeah, an Enneagram do. episode. I think yes. that would be really fun. Okay. And then. Okay. Um, it's okay. also in the most recent I- issue of Mag- the Magnolia Journal. You probably are not as huge of a fan of Chip and Joanna Gaines as I am, but I subscribe to their magazine. <laughs> I, I, have, I don't subscribe to their magazine, but in the last year, I started watching their show. And it's so good because you know why we live in day and age where everything is so easily stressful. Like even just the news is overwhelming. And then I want to watch something and things are incredibly dramatic. And then I have an emotional reaction to the sitcom. I love people just fixing houses, totally, making other people happy. It's like, that is the kind of entertainment. If we want to take a break from life, I feel like that's therapeutic. Absolutely. Yeah. And transformation in, you know, 45 minutes or or whatever. Speaking of which, there's another way I'm going to segue now into what we're actually talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I've always been curious. So, you know, we told, we talked about in the intro about your background and how in the Ortner EFT tapping empire. And I want to know, like, how often do you actually tap? So it goes through, I've been tapping since uh, maybe like 2006. So it really goes through phases and there's different forms of tapping. So for example, there was a period in New York when I was going through a really big transition and I was having trouble and I was tapping every evening. I would put my yoga mat down and I love meditating, but the challenge I have is I'm a big thinker. And so what I like about tapping is it's a real physical experience where I can give those thoughts a voice instead of feeling like I'm fighting them. And so I would tap and then I would just spend some time breathing and meditating and lightly stretching. Now with this book launch, again, I'm tapping more, you know, probably every other day for just 10, 15 minutes, but there's nothing constant. And I, that's what I like about it because there's so many things we should be doing that take up so much time. And I like how there's some flexibility in this technique where if you're you know, waiting to pick up your kid from soccer practice and you have 10 minutes in the car, you can just take those 10 minutes without feeling like you need the special mat and the special place or a certain amount of time. So I tap often, but I'm really flexible around it. That's great. Hmm. Does everybody in your family tap? Yes, except for some reason, like if I'm annoyed and my brother say you should tap on it, I just want to like hit them. Of course. <laughs> so, like, no, uh, but, <laughs> I was talking to Chris Carr the other day. And Plus it's your brother. She was like, yeah. about stress. And she was like, this is a really going to be an annoying question, but are you meditating? And I was like, F you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I told her that as a joke. Yeah. And I was like, of course I need to be meditating. But it is in the moments when you most need to be we forget. Well, it's not even that you forget. It's like, what is that resistance about? So it's interesting that, that you brought this up because it's actually what inspired me to write this book. And it's how I start the book because, so my first book came out, which was the tapping solution for weight loss and body confidence. And it was doing really well. I mean, it was really exciting, 
but it felt incredibly overwhelming, like just the whole experience. And I just felt like I was in this book launch mode where I was a chicken with its head cut off and I wasn't doing the things that I knew were good for me. And I got to the point where I felt an incredible amount of shame and embarrassment because I was thinking, here I have this book. I'm telling everyone to tap. I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm not doing it. And I called Cheryl Richardson and I basically cried and I admitted, you know, I was just like, I'm not doing the things that I know. And she said to me, when you're stressed and overwhelmed, you're not resourceful tapping expert, Jessica, you're that little girl who's just scared and doesn't know how to tap yet. And so in those moments, the very first thing that you have to experience is some sort of self-compassion and acknowledge that part of you is simply scared and that it's okay. And the moment she said that, it's like, I could breathe again. And then it was like, tapping was easy. Then it was like, all right, yeah, let me break this down. Let me see what's stressing me out. But when we are the type of person that listens to podcasts and reads books, and you know, a lot of the people who are listening to the show are probably the person who's always sharing advice. When it comes to our own life, when we don't practice what we preach, we have an incredible amount of shame and embarrassment and we think, there's something wrong with me. And I think it's important to know that, no, actually there's nothing wrong with you. That's really normal to have that reaction. And the very first step is simply to take a deep breath, have some self-compassion and acknowledge that you're not doing what you know, simply because you're scared. And just that awareness and that conversation makes it so much easier to transition into doing what we know helps us. Mm. Yeah. So the, the, the self-compassion almost melts the resistance. Yeah. And I think it's an important conversation because we live in this world where all of us love growth and personal development. And I think the shadow side of this personal work is because we always know better. We always criticize ourselves for not doing better. We lose that kind of human instinct of knowing that anytime we're faced with any change or anything new, it's unnerving. And that's what really inspired me about this book, because when I was I started to call and speak to different authors, including you guys, and I started to realize that every single person who was launching like a first time book when it was something brand new had this certain level of anxiety, even if their book was about anti-anxiety, no matter what you teach, there's a level of uncertainty that happens when you do something new. And I began to realize that it's not about skipping those moments. It's not about learning how to not have those moments. It's learning how to navigate them. So whenever you do something new, you have a surge of energy. Some people call it excited anticipation. Some people call it anxiety. But we all have that feeling of, oh, my goodness. And it's because our primitive brain is wired to keep us safe. And so, you know, back in the day, our ancestors they wanted everything to be certain because if it's certain you're safe you know certainty equals safety and that's why sometimes it feels better to hold ourselves back and play small in the moment that actually risk going outside of our comfort zone and so what i really began to explore was not how do we it's not about avoiding those moments it's acknowledging that those moments are part of life if you want to grow and expand and how to navigate that and create more ease through using tapping how important is it when you do a tapping meditation to actually have the words match up with what it is that you're actually feeling? Like, is it important to say the things out loud or can you just 
do the points? You can, if you're in the feeling, you can do the points. So the reason that it's helpful to say things out loud is because you're just using another part of your sensory. Now you can hear yourself talking and you're not thinking about the dishwasher being emptied. It just helps you focus. But if you're suddenly, you know, like my brother, Alex, his flight was delayed yesterday for six hours and he was in the airport and his kids were at home and it was just this big mess. And in those moments that are just naturally stressful, you don't have to think about some flowery, perfect language. You just tap because in that moment, your nervous system is out of whack. You're feeling stress. You have an overproduction of cortisol and just stimulating acupressure points in that moment sends a calming signal to your brain and your whole body begins to relax. So the words, it's hard to say whether the words are important or not. Yes, they're important because the more specific you are on how you're feeling, the better the results. But if you're already in that feeling, you don't need the words so much. I got it. Makes sense. That totally makes well, then you're not over because you might, I mean, I'll just speak for myself. Like I could overthink the words that I'm going to say, which can add more stress to the situation. And it's like, I'm not doing this perfectly. So now I'm failing at tapping. Yeah. Or like, I find myself thinking, Oh, I could tap on this, but I don't, I don't know the phrases. It's like, I don't know the words to say. So then I just don't do it. So a great technique is to, it's called the tell your friend technique. You can pretend you're telling your friend. You can actually call your friend and just tell them what's going on while you're tapping on the phone. But Mm -hmm. there's something about telling the story of what happened. And what's really interesting about tapping is when we're feeling overwhelmed, a lot of times we don't even know why we're overwhelmed. Overwhelm tends to creep up on us. And it's like a lot of things. And sometimes it's something minor that just puts us over the edge. But when we begin to tap and we feel calmer, a lot of times we get this clarity of actually, like I'm not mad at him. I just, this is reminding me of how I felt, you know, as a kid when this would happen, or, you know, we just get this clarity about what's really going on. And then we can focus our tapping more and have a deeper experience. But to your point, I think I do know that it's helpful to be guided and, it's one of the reasons I was telling you earlier, it's not out yet. This isn't like a pitch, but it's like the inspiration I have behind this tapping solution app is that like, as much as we know, we should do something feel like sometimes you need some guidance. Mm -hmm. And so we're creating this app. And as much as tapping for 20 minutes is amazing. The reality is people just won't. So we're designing them to be five, 10, 15 minutes, just really short to get you going in the tappingsolution.com, we do have like free tapping meditations. Those are always helpful just to get you started. But once you get comfortable with it, then yeah, you can just tap for a few minutes in the car or when something annoys you. Can we backtrack a little bit? Cause yeah. there might be some people here listening that are like, well, what are you guys talking tap about? Dan- tap dancing. I grew up on jazz. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Let's do like, what is tapping? Yeah. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So tapping is when you're literally stimulating acupressure points on your body by tapping on these different points on your face and your torso. So when we have a stress, we have stress and anxiety. It's not an experience that we just have in our mind. We have a very physical sensation to it. You know, we tend to feel overwhelmed and it, it, it shows up like pressure in our chest or not in our stomach, which is why I think it's so powerful to bring in the physical body when it comes to releasing the stress. So what you do is you actually focus on what's bothering you. 
you get very clear on it and you begin to tap. And the way that tapping starts is you tap on the karate chop point, which is the right underneath your pinky on the side of your hand. And you acknowledge how you feel by saying, even though I'm overwhelmed, I accept myself and how I feel. This is called the setup statement. It sets you up for the process. And you can say other things. You can say, I love and accept myself. But it's all about giving yourself a moment just to say, yes, this is exactly how I feel. You do that three times on the karate chop point, And then you tap on the rest of the points while you give a voice to how you feel. So I'll just talk you guys through. I can give you a diagram for your show notes. That'd be great. But I'll talk you through it. Like one point is the eyebrow point. So it's right where the hair of your eyebrow begins, right on the bone. And then if you follow your, your nose, right? It's yeah, the bridge of your nose. Yeah. Exactly. And you might notice that when people are stressed, they tend to grab this part of their face. They grab the bridge of their nose. Now follow your eyebrow until you find yourself on the side of your eye on the bone. So it's not far back on your temple. It's pretty close right on that bone. Then you follow that bone until you're underneath the eye. Again, you'll feel that bone. The next point is underneath the nose. So it's between your upper lip and nose. Then you have the under the mouth point or chin point, and it's right underneath your mouth. So the crease between your lip and your chin. The collarbone point, you can find it because it, you'll find a U-shape, under the U-shaped bone underneath your throat. And if you go down an inch and over an inch on either side, you're going to hit that point. What I like to do to make it easier is I just, you can use your whole hand and tap on your chest as well to stimulate it. And then the next point is underneath the arm. It's about a hand width from your armpit. For women, it tends to be where our bra strap lies. And then the final point is on top of the head. So those are the nine, the nine points. And what's great about this is we have acupressure points all over our body. But by learning those nine points, you can use them for stress relief. No matter what you're dealing with, it's always those same nine points. It's great. And I, I mean, I just will say I wasn't particularly stressed out sitting here with you because this is super fun. But I just went through the points and I feel better. You know, and we intuitively use these points. Sometimes when we're worried, we just find ourselves putting our hand on our chest and that's the collarbone point or, you know, rubbing kind of near our temples yeah. or grabbing the bridge of our nose. So I think intuitively we know that these are points that help relax us. Yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? It's so interesting. So it's so interesting. And it's so cool because even if you don't believe it's going to work, it doesn't matter. That's what's so cool. That's what's so cool. I had like such skeptics and I'm like, okay, I don't, you don't need to believe. Let's just tap a few rounds and see how you feel. And then they're like, oh, wow, I can, I can breathe better. And what I like to do with tapping is before you start, and you don't have to do this all the time if you're doing it on your own, but I find it helpful. You measure and it has stressed you feel on a scale from zero to 10. And then after a few rounds of tapping, you check in and you go, oh, I went from a 10 to a six. And what I think is empowering about that, I mean, two reasons I think it's important. One is because if we can spend a few minutes and without taking a pill or doing anything drastic, we went from a 10 to a six, it's incredibly encouraging for us to keep going and to get more specific and just keep tapping. And then the other thing is I've worked with people who if you don't measure, they'll like be really stressed and then they'll tap and they'll feel so calm. And then you'll be like, oh, isn't that amazing? And I'll be like, well, I don't think I was that stressed anyway. And you were like, your face was red. <laughs> like you were very stressed yeah. because once you feel calm, it's sometimes hard to connect with that stress. So I think it's good to measure. And I feel like it just gives us more encouragement to keep tapping. Totally. So one of the things you talked about 
in chapter, there's chapter two is moving towards flow. And you talked about what is pleasurable is sustainable. So can we talk a little bit about that? Cause that's very much where well, we should mention the book. Oh yeah. There's... We haven't done that yet. <laughs> yeah. But we, you know, the book talk is about called the, book. the tapping solution to create lasting change, a guide to get unstuck and find your flow. So I can't think of anybody who would not benefit from this because everybody gets stuck for various reasons. But one, it really resonated with me, this concept of what is pleasurable is sustainable. So can you talk about how that came to you in your life and kind of like what the sticky point was? Of course. So it really came to me when it came to my relationship with my weight and my complete utter obsession to lose weight since I was 14 years old. And I was running this pattern where I just felt if I could really be hard on myself, if I could be really mean to myself and really push myself, I'll get there. Like, and every time I failed, it meant I wasn't hard enough. I didn't put enough pressure on myself and I just would feel let down. And so I kept running the same pattern. It didn't matter what diet it was. It was the same. It was I was running what I call in the book, the pattern of panic. So what would happen is I would have an event coming up or I'd see a photo of myself and it would trigger this feeling of, oh my goodness, I have to lose weight yesterday. Like this has to happen immediately. And I would take that anxiety and desire and really up my critical voice. So it would be like, get your shit together. Like you're better than this. It would be this just drill sergeant let's go with deprivation and suffering to get what we want. And the tricky thing about this pattern is whether we're doing it around weight loss or changing our relationship with money, it actually works for a short time. So if you are, you know, just really restricting your diet and being hard on yourself, you might lose a few pounds. Like you could lose a few pounds in a week and you look at that and you look at it as evidence that the strategy works. The challenge is, is it's not sustainable because we get exhausted And then what we do is we sabotage ourselves. We get either get distracted or we feel like the pain isn't worth it. And I look at self-sabotage as misguided self-love. So there's a part of us that's like, you're not meant to be treating yourself like this. And so that part of you that loves you is like, quit, don't do this. And you stop and you fall back into old habits that are more comfortable and easily more sustainable And then once again, you're back there with freaking out about your weight or your finances or your relationship. So we run this cycle of kind of taking one step forward and two steps back. And I realized that I had to break that cycle. I had to change my relationship with food and with my body. And I realized that every time I tried to suffer to create change, it never worked. Every time I tried to stress myself or motivate myself or talk myself up, it would last for a very short time. And I realized that the only way to create sustainable change is one, to let your heart know it's safe to change. You need to know that it is, you need to feel congruent with this change, with success, because sometimes success can feel just as scary as failure. So it's about knowing that it's safe and then bringing in the pleasure because what is pleasurable is sustainable. Everyone I would interview who was good at working out, I wasn't good. I would just do it for like a short time and then not work out and then work out. 
and everyone I spoke to who was consistent, none of them ever talked about suffering or wanting to change. It was never the conversation. They were just like, oh, if I don't work out in the morning, I'm just so grumpy later. Or if I don't move my body, then I just don't feel like myself. It always was pleasure that, you know, having the experience of exercising was creating pleasure. So I had to look at the change I wanted to make. And instead of saying, how do I push myself to do this? I'd ask myself, how do I make this more pleasurable? So it's more sustainable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. So that's applied to working out for you. Have you applied it to other areas of your life as well? Yeah, I, the one that pops into mind is dating. I don't know why this is, but when I was single, (laughs) I mean, right now I'm seven and a half months pregnant, but I do remember uh, when I was single and I really wanted to change, obviously my relationship status. And I knew that being at home wasn't going to do that, that I wasn't going to meet someone unless I put myself out there and dated. And in the past, the way I looked at dating is if the guy I went on the date with didn't end up becoming the man of my dreams, it was a complete disaster. And so obviously every date was really painful because I would have to kind of push myself to do it and then face this disappointment. And I had to sit with myself and go, all right, well, how I don't like dating. I didn't at that time, at least. I'm like, how can I like this? And I realized it's hard to like something that you put so much expectations around and so much pressure. And so I looked at dating. I said, all right, I'm going to date. And every date is going to be an experiment for me to be in my power. Cause I was, I spent many years worried so much about what other people thought of me that I didn't even ask myself if I liked the other person. Like I'd go on a date and I was so into impressing them that I didn't even know if I liked them. Hmm. And when I had that realization, I was like, well, every time I go on a date, this is going to be an experiment for me to see how I can stay in my power and see how I can have fun and also be good with my boundaries, you know, to say yes or no into what feels right to me. And if I, when I do that, then it feels like a success. Cause even if this isn't the guy for me, I got to practice flirting, being in my power. <laughs> like, you know, even just saying no to a second date was really empowering because I would always want to say yes to not disappoint people. So I changed the rules of what a successful date was so that dating felt more pleasurable and more fun because whether it was with the man of my dreams or not, I felt like I was making progress. Such a great example. Mm, So good. Thank you. I know a lot of people will be able to relate (laughs) to that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the putting the pressure. I mean, I, I think the same thing could definitely apply to, our businesses, you know, like the, like putting so much pressure on every single, you know, campaign you do to be the most wildly successful thing, right? Like that, that's not fun anymore. Yeah. totally. It's like, we have to, it's not that we have to win the game. We have to change the game. We have Mm -hmm. to change the rules. We have to realize that, Oh, this game that I'm playing, it doesn't feel good. I don't actually need to win at this game in this way. This is going to serve you very well in motherhood. (laughs) just letting you know changing the rules for yourself i have found to be incredibly important yeah motherhood a lot of people call it lowering your expectations but i don't really like to call it that i like to call it changing my expectations and shifting my expectations yeah so if you already know how to do that with this you're gonna be good and i just i want to mention i didn't mention i'm seven and a half months pregnant as we're recording this but it's my first 
So not only am I pregnant, but my first. So I text Kate and Mike quite often. <laughs> well, and they'll probably get a lot more texts in the future. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, when you're in the mode of like, oh, I should probably tap, just text us. We'll all tap together. We'll yes. Tap. I, I can like, use all the healing around motherhood. I feel like I, I can get. just tap every hour of every day. For, I think we all could, you know, right? Like yeah, Totally. I'm, I mean, that's like a section. I'm doing a pregnancy section for the app right now. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Women have so much anxiety during pregnancy. So I think that that's going to be really helpful. Are you going to do, or, or is Nick doing parenting, any parenting tapping? So the category is pregnancy and women's health. Okay. And in the women's it's more mother tapping meditations, but you actually make a good point because we're developing this now and the parenting is more geared for the mother. We probably need some dad, you dad do. tapping in there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're going to work on that. But like the last one, I just recorded one yesterday, which I loved, which was stress about the stress <laughs> because we, we know when you're pregnant, they always tell you don't stress. It's bad for the baby. And then you experience any type of stress, which happens and we suddenly go, oh my goodness, I'm ruining everything. I'm stressed about the stress. It's like we build upon the experience that we're having. I think, and whether you're pregnant or not, I think a lot of people do that. It's one of the reasons it's so important to say in the beginning of tapping, even though I'm angry or this person pushed my buttons, except how I feel. Because when we don't do that, it's like we're angry. And then on top of it, we're angry at ourselves for feeling angry. We're like, I shouldn't feel this way. That is so true. Mm. Yeah, that acceptance piece is huge. Yeah. So now, I can I ask you a couple logistical business questions? Yeah, of course. Ask people these sorts of questions. Hopefully our listeners. I hope I can answer them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to know, I, I've, I've known the answers to these questions before, but I forget. So you work with your two brothers and your parents, right? So work with you still or not really? Yes, they do, but it's, they're different dynamics. So my dad helps with our, just organize our finances, so paperwork. Uh -huh. And then my mother, I mean, she, she's incredible. She moved to the United States without speaking a word of English, learned English and became a school psychologist and being bilingual, she was able to work in such a large community. So she did that for about 25 years, a school psychologist specializing with elementary school kids, started using tapping in the schools and the kids loved it. And now that she's retired, we have a uh, our Tapping Solution Foundation. So she was just in Guatemala working in this school with limited resources, helping the kids learn how to handle their stress and how to tap. So she doesn't work in the company, but she works for the foundation. That's so cool. Yeah, and then, but so really the company, and then it's Nick, Alex, and I. So I two, I'm the youngest, Alex is the middle, and then Nick is the oldest. So what's it like for you being in a family business? I, you know, we've been doing it for so long that it's really different now than it was in the beginning. I will say that when we first started, you cannot hide from your issues. And if you start, if you have a family business where part of the business is about owning your emotions and handling them, a lot of things come up from your childhood that you have to face. And sometimes, you know, I had an experience one time like years ago where I don't know, Nick and I don't even remember what they did, but Nick and Alex went to do something that was like kind of part of the business. And I was left out of it. And I was so upset, but I realized that the level of a, 
kind of frustration I felt and anger wasn't actually equivalent to the situation. Like what happened was pretty minor and also a misunderstanding, but the emotions I felt were so intense that I realized, oh, this has nothing to do with this current situation. This is from when we were kids and I'm, you know, the youngest in the girl and feeling left out. And so acknowledging that and it doesn't work a family business doesn't work if actually I don't I don't know this I don't think my family business would work if people didn't take personal responsibility for their emotions and how they felt and when you are in this community and you know no tapping the level of communication is almost just a different level because everyone's kind of talking from the same playing field like we all kind of know about emotional responsibility and and when it's time to communicate and when it's time to self-soothe you know, how much is the other person's action and how much is it our reaction? So that's a very kind of long answer to that question. But I will say it was difficult in the beginning and now it is so fun. It's like working with my brothers is the closest thing to having two clones, like to be able to like, <laughs> to like have a, people always say like, oh, it's, it's so hard. But my brother was just, Alex was just at that Mindshare event and it was like, great, there's an Ortner there. I don't want to be there. <laughs> Yeah, but like, not at seven and a half pregnant months. Yeah, pregnant. <laughs> exactly. And I, the other thing that you have to know about a family business is the same rules don't apply as a regular business. <laughs> I was, and I say that about negotiating. So I was listening to Oprah Winfrey was interviewing the Wayne brothers. And there's like, there's not just the brother, there's like an older brother who's in living color. And yeah, there's a cousin, the sister. And yeah, there's like a lot of Wayans. And one of them said this and it really just felt so true to my own experience. He said, you can't do business the same way. Like you have to all give a little bit more when you're in another company, it's all about taking and like how much you can get. And when you're in a family business, there has to be a lot more generosity with everybody. And yeah, it's just different. It's just different rules. Like he was saying that if, when it's one person's time to shine, everyone supports that person. And then it switches to someone else, but you don't do it at the same time because the networks make you compete. And it always feels like that with even our books, you know, now I have like when, when Nick's book comes out, his success is my success. Like I am working behind the scenes to make that a success. And when it's my turn, he's working behind the scenes. So it's, it's really beautiful in that way. I wish that all companies ran that way. Yes. You know, know, just when you're saying like different rules apply, I, I dream of a world where that rule would apply to everybody, whether you're blood relatives. Yeah. I mean, it's just comes back to like a lot of things we've been researching now in the podcast and talking about. It's like the more diverse an organization is, the more women that are a part of it versus just men, the war that there's other, you know, races and cultures that are a part of and celebrated, like all that stuff will it just evens, I don't want to say evens the playing field, but it creates more balance inside of the, the environment. So yeah. like with what you're sharing now, it's like, that's, it's being forced in your company because you guys are all different people, but you're also very close together and you want to maintain a family relationship together. Yeah. And I think another aspect is keeping your ego in check and living from a place of abundance. And this is within a family or outside of a family and working 
you know, it's easier for me to say Nick's success is my success because he's my brother. The other side is people might say it's actually harder because th- sometimes there's more jealousy with siblings. Yeah. But it was, re- it's really important for us to feel that way that like, even if at this current moment, I'm not the one shining, I know him shining and him growing successful benefits everybody. And it's the same thing in, in the company. Like maybe you don't have the spotlight at this moment, but you supporting someone else to grow and shine helps the company overall and ends up helping you. And that type of generosity of spirit, I feel like the universe repays you tenfold. And just also life is easier. I mean, even, <laughs> even putting like the re- getting repaid aside, how you emotionally feel about yourself and life and your work is so much better when you have a generous spirit feeling like there's enough room for everyone to shine. Totally. Hmm. Yeah. Because feeling resentful feels awful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it just does. It just doesn't feel Yeah. Good. And it's interesting because people ask me like, you know, Nick has a million followers on Facebook and I think I have like 78. I don't know. Not that like it's a measure of success, but people, yeah. but he has a lot more followers. And I've had people ask me like, do you ever get jealous? And like, not really. Cause he's so generous with me, you know, and it is what it is. Also, it's like, could I get jealous? Like, yes, but why would I want to do that to myself? <laughs> like, you know, it's all about an ego check. Like right. my value isn't dependent on how many Facebook followers I have. So no, it is not whether he has more or less than me doesn't make a difference on my value as a person. Yeah. And I think that's a really important conversation to have in our current environment of social media and the fact that there is this illusion that the bigger your platform, the more valuable you are. While some people build a big platform because they are offering tremendous value, which is obviously the case with you guys, you can actually build a big platform without offering value. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think it's really important to know that the big platform isn't related to your value. And just like, you know, even simple stuff like the number of likes on an Instagram post or whatever, that it's just not it's just two totally separate things. Right. I will say if Nick's listening to this interview, he probably will be like, you are such a liar. You're so jealous that I have a bigger Facebook page. <laughs> because maybe there's like a little part of me that's like, Oh, well, but of there is. I mean, it's not a big deal. Like it's, it'll make me laugh. Yes, exactly. And yeah. I think there is such thing as healthy competition. Yeah. Yes, totally. It's both. And it's just, it's like, we all have egos, right? So it's just that ego, it does shine through sometimes, you know, and that's okay. Yeah. But as totally. you, what you talked about, it's like coming back to the, the abundance and the greater good piece. I mean, Kate and I have went through this in our own business relationship. Yeah, we have. You know, that was something I had to really work on myself. So, but yeah, it's like the collective, right? And so it's greater together as it is. Totally. And then how did you learn... This is, I mean, now I know it's been set for a while from the business roles, but like, how did you guys figure out what was there? Like Alex was orchestrating everything or you are, you know, how did that work from like, you guys knew what each other's strengths were and you just went from there. Yeah. I mean, part of it is just luck. Like (laughs) then part of it is good communication. So it started with Nick having the idea to create a film about tapping and I was 20 years old, I think. I don't even think I could drink alcohol yet. And we didn't have any experience and nobody knew who we were. And he had the courage to put a ton of money on credit cards. This was back in the day when you could just put like 
thousands and thousands of dollars on credit cards and we bought the film equipment and we made the film and Alex was was working in in something else. He was working in real estate at the time. And then when the film finished, we did our first Tapping World Summit, which is this big online event that we've been doing. This next year will be eleven years. Oh wow, it's crazy! Um, and then Alex, you know, Alex has a real good brain for strategy and charts. Like he loves Excel. I hate Excel. Like he's that that type of difference with minds, and he just taught himself how to do it and all of us are really good at learning things not all the same things but we all really self-educated ourselves so i think a big inspiration for us was i was 17 at the time but we went to a tony robbins seminar and i think that made a big difference for us because we were able to then speak a similar language around success and the biggest thing i learned from tony at the time was that if you want to do something, you have to model somebody else. Like most of the dreams that you have, someone else has already done it. So the best thing that you can do is try to surround yourself with those people or read their books or learn from them. And so we started to do that ourselves. Yeah. So Alex was, Nick is like the big idea person. Alex was strategies, but also a great idea person. And then I was never as big and strong as my brothers, obviously. So I remember being a kid and my thing of feeling like significant, like better than them was courage. So I would go on the scariest roller coaster. I mean, I would be pissing myself, but I didn't care because I felt like if I could go on a roller coaster that they wouldn't, then like I could be like, ha. And that competitive spirit led me to love to interview people to reach out. And so the whole outreach part of the film and connecting with people and just kind of that risk taking on a personal level was, was me. So it all fit. And even now we have times where, yeah, we all just, we, we all kind of talk together. There's no like one person, big idea person. It's a real collaboration, but we definitely have our own unique gifts. I think, you know, it's interesting. I've never, it's like you asked me a question I've never thought about. So I'm almost like figuring it out as I'm talking. That's good. But I think that's, I think that kind of sums it up. So crazy to like, think about, you know, for you is, is it's like, okay, well, I'm going to show my brothers up in like the courage, like, and it's just like, okay, I'm going to go ride the biggest roller coaster. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. No, Tower of the Terror, Disney World, 1997. <laughs> they couldn't do it. I could. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So now as you are, you know, so you're, you're headed towards your book launch, which is very exciting, second book launch, but you're headed towards your first birth yeah. and then your first maternity leave. So as an entrepreneur, how are you setting yourself up? What's your, you know, of course, plans always change. And we already talked about shifting expectations of ourselves with parenthood, but what do you have laid out to give yourself some space with your new family? That is something I have been trying to figure out. It's been a struggle. And I think the reason is that I realized I had this weird guilt around taking time off, which is so silly because it's like, I'm, I just gave birth. This is, you know, and, and I am in a situation that is ideal. Like my brothers are so happy I'm pregnant. They totally get it that I'll be out. Like I couldn't have more support, but there's like this voice in the back of my head being like, am I going to fall behind? How do I jump back? And I had to meet that. I had to, you know, I noticed myself having those thoughts and I thought, all right, well, I need to figure, I need to ask questions. So going back to that modeling thing, I reached out to you and I reached out to all these different entrepreneurs about coming back. And 
my plan, which I don't know if it's ideal, so I'm not sharing this as something to model, but I look at it as like for the first three months, like don't even expect an email from me. <laughs> like if you need something, you can call and I can consult, but like I am out. Cause the challenge also about being an entrepreneur is we have a lot of freedom in some sense, but it's not like people can still call you and ask you questions. <laughs> it's not like a company where everybody knows like they're out. You're still always a little bit in the loop. Yeah. So I've kind of in my head thought, right, three months totally out. And then the fourth and fifth months, I'm going to see what it feels like to ease in. And so I have the expectation of like telling the company like, well, for five months, you're not going to have all of, you know, five, six months, you won't have a hundred percent of me, but those last two months, depending on how I feel, I have the luxury of being able to have that power to kind of see, but it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it makes me wonder like, where did we, this isn't me. I know it's a societal thing of, mm -hmm. am I allowed to take a break yeah. and life all behind? You know, I was, I was having these thoughts and thinking, I picked this up somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> the water. In the, it's in the water. Yeah, I know that it is other places as well, but there are cultures, you know, like the United Kingdom, where women get a year of maternity leave. Yeah. You know, paid. So, and, like, that's a very different cultural expectation than we have, where there is no nationally supported. Yeah. Maternity. And I don't feel like there is a model. Like, nobody, there's no answer. You know, a, a lot of people, the answer is just very limited time because that's all you're able to get. But it's interesting because, you know, both my brothers have kids, so they're very obviously understanding. But it's I think it's different being a mom than being a dad. You know, like their experience is a lot different than me. So I feel like I'm really going into unknown territory. And I know that this is the time that we're meant to reach out to each other and not do it alone. And I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm going to share like this random story, but my mother got pregnant when, with my brother when she was 20 years old. She went to a school from kindergarten to high school with nuns in a class of like 15 people. She was incredibly sheltered. But my mom's like a spitfire. Like she was like the fiery personality in that school. And she told me the story about how my aunt had just had a baby and got pregnant like right after and she thought she couldn't get pregnant because she was breastfeeding. And my mom was like, you have to use protection. And my aunt was like, no, I can't. Like, cause at that time you had to go to a pharmacist and like be a woman asking a male. And there was like all this embarrassment. And she was like, I can't. My mother was like eight months pregnant at the time and was like, fine, if you don't do it, I'm going to do it. So she went to the counter at this pharmacist and was like, I need to buy some condoms. And the pharmacist looking at her eight months pregnant said, Senora, it's too late. <laughs> but, <laughs> the reason I share the thing that struck me about the story, besides that it's hysterical, is that in one generation between my mother and between me, this one generation, if I can talk about things, like there's no shame about me buying a condom or reaching out to a woman and asking about anything about labor, even about menopause. We've changed so much as a society within women that before so many things were secret and embarrassed and embarrassing. And now I just feel so grateful being a mother in this day and age, because I can say, I don't have the answer about maternity leave, but man, are women open about talking about their experience. So 
I can ask when one generation before nobody talked about those things. Yeah. It's so true. Mm -hmm. I've talked to my mom a lot about that. You know, she's just so in awe of our generation and how generous we are with each other in business and sort of like that sisterhood around business and sharing resources. And, you know, we've been blessed to be friends for quite a few years and really like within our circle, I just feel like there is this generosity of spirit. And I, you know, we can always increase that and include more people for sure. And that's something that I'm really consciously working on right now. But she was just like, you don't understand, Kate, like every woman who is on a career track was out for herself because we all felt like we were so such an outlier to even get a spot as a woman that God forbid we would help another woman because it would mean she would take us out. Yes. And we live in a really different time in terms of, in terms of that. Oh, I mean, it's, it's huge. And I think it's important to stop and marvel at it. It makes me respect my mom. I think like, wow, how did you have three kids and like you couldn't Google stuff. <laughs> you know I mean? Have Amazon Prime. Or have Amazon Prime. Amazon I don't know. Amazon Prime is my number one mothering tool. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Completely. It's so true. And just being able to text, like, you know, I've had like these questions just about how to set things up. Like even last night I was organizing the nursery and I was like, where do I put the bibs? Do they go in the kitchen? Do they go in the room? I continue to do have that question. People use them. People, <laughs> yes. Sometimes. Babies get really drooly. Bibs are helpful because then you don't have to change their outfit a million times. And when they do start eating solids, you'll need a bib. But yes. then people like give you the cloth bibs, but then those are done because you got to throw them away after one. But then we have these bucket like plastic bibs that collect all the food so it doesn't fall on the floor. That you can just wash off. We're huge fans of the baby Bjorn plastic or like silicone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then you can reuse them and don't give them away. Yeah. But right. Penelope walks But see, these are the conversations that like, it's great to be able to call and go like, <laughs> bibs. bibs. What do we do with give bibs? Me the on bibs. <laughs> she finds the bibs this morning and puts one on herself and then puts one on Ruby and they come downstairs wearing bibs. She's very excited. Penelope's really re- has a renewed excitement around all of her baby gear that the has bibs. emerged from the basement with the second child. <laughs> <laughs> but you no, know, I mean, even the conversation about like leave standpoint, like that's a conversation we started because now we have, you know, basically full-time people working for us and there's possibility of children in the future, sure. you know, for, you know, they're not talking about this moment, but it's, it's been voiced that it's interest for them. And it's like, what's our maternity leave policy as a company? You know, like it's not something we've thought about previously. Now, do you guys have full-time employees that you have a policy in place for, or are you the first one that this is applied to? I'm the first one. We don't have, we have someone else who's pregnant, but she's a contractor. So, but everybody else already has children. Okay. So there's no like babies coming. (laughs) There's no babies except for. There's no, yeah, but it's, listen, it's really interesting. And I think it's like a, a greater conversation too about like, what part the government should be playing in it as well, because there is a really big difference between it being a, a small business and yep. a corporation and yes, there is. right. And like what, what you can actually provide. And I think there needs to be some help, some outside help. It's true. I completely, completely agree. It's yeah, one of the areas that our country is, is far behind on. Mm. Yeah, for sure. 
And then what is, so how about, how about Lucas? How about your husband? How's, what's he setting himself up for? So it's interesting. He works for MindBody, which yeah. is the app. He's like the app developer. And they're very, they have a great insurance, a great plan. I don't even know if I'm, I shouldn't, I don't know if I should have named his company, but it's fine. I, MindBody is the best company to work for. And... <laughs> They, they really are so generous and our insurance is really good. So they're, I feel like they're kind of like the gold star of like, because they're also a wellness company, but they're a big corporation. There's a lot of benefits, but cool. even they don't have like a set paternity leave. So he can take time off, but it, it has to be his personal days. And I think there's like some medical days, but there's not something set up for paternity. Yeah. It, I just, it just doesn't happen in this country. Or at least I've very had, rare. Very rare. LL Bean has paternity it's leave. It's changing. Um, it's changing. It's like it is the tide is shifting, and I bet you in ten years we would be having a very different conversation. If you run yeah. an organization right now, check your maternity leave and paternity leave policy because babies are hard. Birth is a challenge, and it's helpful to have both. And people it's helpful home. to have both people. Yeah, in. it's been something that has been done very wrong. Uh, you know, in the society and what you're talking about with the guilt piece of it as well as build over time. And it's just, it's businesses will do better. They'll be more profitable, right? Like they will, if we give people the time to, to relax and like have the time with new kids that come into the world. Cause it's needed. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jess, I know we've got to wind down cause you have to boogie, but I want to know, is there anything else that like, what are you the most excited about regarding this new book that's coming out? That's such a great question. The thing that I'm most excited about is to help people find more ease hmm. because we, sometimes we, we look at hard work and we think hard work means better results. And that's actually not the case. We can be working really hard in a way that's just incredibly depleting and leaves us feeling like we're just running up against a wall. And what I like about this book is it gives people an opportunity to take a step back from the patterns that they've been running and the change that they've been wanting to make and realize that with more ease, they can actually get more done and feel better because you know, a big thing I think it's important to mention is success is just as scary as failure. If you have been procrastinating on a project, it's not because there's something wrong with you. Most likely it's because completing that project is scary. You know, something that's completed can be a big success or can be criticized. So staying the same sometimes feels safer. So the only way that we're going to create more ease with moving forward is if we change our relationship with what we want. So we feel more safe and comfortable and we create more ease and pleasure. And then we find our flow. Mm. Hmm. That's beautiful. I love that. You are definitely speaking our language. Find the flow. Um, so where should people find the book? So you can find the book where all books are sold. So Amazon, anywhere. If your local bookstore doesn't have it, ask them. And you can also, we have great resources at thetappingsolution.com. And you can follow me on Instagram, Jessica Ortner, and also look me up on Facebook, Jessica Ortner. Stay connected. I love your community. I see like all the comments people leave and I follow, I am part of your community. So these are my people. <laughs> so I'm excited to connect. Thank you, Jess. We love you. So everyone listening, please get your copy of the tapping solution to creating lasting change. We love you so much. Blessings on the you. book launch and the baby. And we just, we just can't wait to witness this next chapter of your life unfold. Thanks guys. Love you too.
we'll have a party for when we have a birthday here for me we'll just bring the book and put it we'll have a cake for it as well yeah yeah we'll have a cake for your book at our birthday and also lucas's birthday absolutely so it's three we need three cakes three cakes (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Bye. bye ever feel like you're constantly doing things but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you Mike and I want to share our top five tools for making a life, not just a living. To learn what they are, go to katenorthrup.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.